Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, if you're going to plant a church, you need to get in touch with Portable Church Industries at PortableChurch.com. They will help you plant a church by helping you move and schlep all your gear like a game of Tetris, like Lego bricks. Everything fits tight together, and it saves a bunch of frustration on the part of your team. Go to PortableChurch.com, find out what you've been missing to make life easier for setting up and breaking down your church plant. Portable Church. Dot com. Dot com. Dude, Yahoo should be shot for making me think of dot com every stinking hey, time. Hey, hey, just because you're all gun happy now, don't go shooting everybody. Hi there. My name's Dewey, and I'm calling for Pete Mitchell. I understand that Pete Mitchell will train my congregation to blow people away in the name of Jesus. Oh, hey, Pete, give me a call. I got some bullet hair. I got some gun hair. But I don't know how to shoot them at people. Could you please come and tell my church how to do that? That would be rad. That would be good. I would love it. We show you how to probably cook up a hog when you're here. We show you how to read the Bible, and uh, you can show us how to uh, how to shoot people. That's what we want. So we hear that's your ministry, and uh, that you can help us with that. So give me a call again. That's Dewey. At First United Church of the Happy People in Jesus. And we're in Alabama, by the way. It's a long way to come. But, uh, we take airplanes. So we can, we can invite you over and we can put you on an airplane. <laughs> put you on an airplane? Yeah, they, they sound pretty advanced. They sound like they, they mean business, Pete. I tell you, they mean business because I went out there and this is what happened.
Oh yes, it was a it was a great day of training. That's wonderful. Did they cook a hog for hey, you? All I know is if it's anybody's first time listening to us, they're like, I don't think this has anything to do with church planning. And they're right. <laughs> At least this part doesn't. <laughs> well, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. Uh, it's been a slow start today. I think we tried to do the ad about five times. And, uh, you know, Pete's very particular about the ads. I don't know if you know this, but they have to be just right. Well, you got people who are paying you money. <laughs> I think they deserve a little bit of our, our attention. You see, Pete, that's where we differ. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we don't have sponsors anymore. That's why we can't have nice things, Pete. It, it really is. It really is. If you would like to sponsor the Church Planner Podcast, why? <laughs> <laughs> If you want to sponsor the Church Planner Podcast, we do have to believe in you. So if you are one of those ministries, we'll see. Like, wait, wait, wait. That's where we differ. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I'm like, if you are one of those people, like, I could not advertise the one where they're like, hey, let us train you in gun safety for our church and security. I couldn't do that. Why? I could. I, I just can't. I know you could. You're in that world. That's just, Dude. it's weird to me, man. Why is it weird? Uh, it's just weird, man. Like, like that there's a whole business now that trains people how to shoot in church. Uh, that's just weird to me. It's if you want to pack a gun and protect train, your church, there's not a whole business that trains people how to shoot in church. Do you not get those emails? It's not a business around that. It's a course. It's a, Think of it as, as an elective at the university. The university is there to give you your liberal arts degree. And, oh, by the way, if you want to know how to shoot people in church, we've got this thing over here. That's what hey, that, that is. Hey, that didn't touch a nerve, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody been at the gun range a lot recently. I was there last night. Shoot it out, buddy. Just was, shoot it out. Dude, you I was there better. last night. You saw my Facebook post. It was a good night. I was using my, my new 45 and I, I put a, a 22 LR conversion kit on my Glock 17. And the, the best comment on there was a guy that said, Hey, I see powder burns on this targets. <laughs> How close were you? There's powder burns on it. That was, it was, was pretty, pretty funny. good. Uh, we can't all be as skilled as you. <laughs> well, it's because he's actually, he's a long range shooter. He, He'll like go to the range and do the thousand yards and oh, like man. nail it. So that's amazing. Sniper. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, dude, what can I say to this guy? I know how good he is. So I started watching, uh, the tick last oh, night. Yeah. Have you seen that show? No, that's stupid. What, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, yet again, we prove that you and I really have nothing in common. I don't understand how this happens. Do you ever watch a cartoon in the nineties? No, stupid then. Oh, dude, that was the best cartoon ever. You were in high school back then, right? You're like, I don't know where to go with this. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to TV. Oh, man, that's just classic comedy. And the cartoon's funny, dude. I was busting a gut over that. There, There's this one scene, and this chick's shooting lightning at him. And he's nigh invulnerable. So the lightning doesn't hurt him. You know, it stops him a bit. But um, at one point, she's shooting lightning at him so hard she has this glass eye, and it pops out of her head. And he goes, watch out, chum. She's shooting glass eyes at people. That was hilarious, man. That's just good comedy. Yeah, I think that's one of those you had to be there because it just sounds even stupider coming out of your mouth. It, You know, it does. 
because I'm not the tick, but I can do a great tick impersonation. Let's hear it. Splendid, chum. Oh, my head hurts. My head where's hurts. Ty, where's Tyrone? Well, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. You're now about ankle deep in smack talk, and you're going to wade up to your waist before we get into the church planning goodness today. I don't know that I have a whole lot. I kept thinking there were stories that I wanted to tell you, and I need to have like a notepad where I write them down. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to do a contest for our listeners on what they think our Halloween costume ought to be. Because I think I got a good idea, but it's a little insulting to me, but I still think it would be great. This is when they need to do like Exponential West at the same time as Halloween, so everyone comes in a costume. That would be great. So if you think it's going to be a little offensive to you, I'm thinking uh, Big Hoss and Little Joe? Not far off, but how cool would this be? Master Blaster. And I sit on your shoulders. <laughs> Go over there. <laughs> you no good. <laughs> Dude, and Pete's got the big hammer and I ride on your shoulders. Man, that would make the best church planner magazine costume ever. Master Blaster. Yeah. You could use remember, your kids, though. Remember I remember how we master. talked about how things just aren't growing fast enough at the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling it's got something to do with, well, how do I put this? Us? <laughs> well, here's here's what I would love. I would love to actually, you know how we were talking about how you can rent a little person for your function? I, I know you've talked about it because you've been like enthralled with the idea. I, it's it's on my bucket list. I have to do this it's for at least something. on my bucket list. And, and I would love to be blaster dress up like blaster if you don't know what master blaster is from mad max beyond thunderdome but best thunderdome best mad max movie i, I am gonna made. throw you a surprise party for for your birthday next year i'm yeah. just letting you know now ahead of time okay. all right and I'll i am forget. gonna rent a winnebago full of little people dressed oh, as ninjas that's my present no friends will come except i will have the little people and your family that's all i need that's all i need i'll just be like just leave us alone together for, for a little while. I just need to bask in little people. You know, my favorite film as a kid, we've talked about this as Time Bandits. So yeah. there is, there is a strange kind of fascination and, uh, but I can't watch it when it's serious. So like, you know, those shows where they have like little people on there and it's, it's like you're, you're watching that actually, that one makes me sad because it's their problems. You know, it's like their everyday life. You know, that, that's different to me. That's kind of like, all right, that sucks. Yeah. Being you sucks. You know, um, I feel sorry for you. And then it, 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 it seems off base when you're talking like science fiction and that's rad, man. So I would love to do that as a costume. I bet if you search on Google, you'll find someone who is master blaster and they have a little person on their back. Bet you anything. Brandon Brooks, look it out. <laughs> look it up for me. Um, I'm going to leave that one right there. That's it. Hate mail coming to me. You know, I don't know. Do you do you actually get your email from Peyton at churchplannermag.com? Nope. Because I was opening, I was checking out our server the other day, and you had like megs and megs of email, <laughs> and I was like, he's never opened this. 
Yeah, you know what? I swapped out my computer and it was only on my old computer. And I remember all the hassle it was to to try to get that email on my last computer. And yeah, uh, it's not a hassle if you know how to. I don't know. Turn on a computer. Well, you're gonna have to help me and hold my hand so I'm I not get that mail. Hands. Nope. I I don't know all that way to. Set hey, that look. Up. If we've gone this long without you getting any, uh, you know what that means? It's just been six months. I haven't gotten it. Well, I opened it up, and there's a lot of people who reply back to your emails. You know the <laughs> weekly emails that go out. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we should we should probably have that forwarded. If there's a way to set up to forward it to my actual email, that would probably be good. One of the recent ones was, "Thanks so much for reading this." And all I could think to myself was, "He's not reading it." <laughs> do you actually get yours? What do you mean? I do yours I actually went to the mine? trash. What I do is not important. <laughs> We're talking about you here, sir. I, I had to put All my right, best I'll try uh, better. I had to put my best Ben's tan on. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's about you, sir. Yes, yes. So, what what are your kids going to be for Halloween? I have no idea. I don't know. You'd have to ask them. So tell me about uh, somebody had a birthday this week. Tell me all about it. Who did? Well, it was you. I'm afraid I don't understand. You had a birthday, and uh, tell us about your party. Oh. (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure Luke got a party. (laughs) I'm like, hey, so what'd you do for your birthday? I went to Chuck E. Cheese, where a kid can be a kid. Which is the best, man, because you know what that really means is like, that's where Luke wanted to go for your birthday. Well, that's where both of my kids wanted to go for my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's pretty cool, man. We went to Chuck E. Cheese. Well, the thing that did was they kind get, of. Did they get presents too? Well, here's here's the part. Here's the thing where I take issue with the misses. <laughs> so they got a deal there at Chuck E. Cheese, right? You go in, you buy your pizza. And then, and now you can buy a little game card to do all the games for uh, a period of time. So it's not points. It's, oh, I want the 30-minute card or I want a 45-minute card. She bought one for Luke and one for Mackenzie and none for the birthday boy. What? So I did not get to do the things that I wanted to do. I had to go around with Luke. Hey, what's up with that? It's my birthday. What's up? Yeah. She's like, hey, uh. I'm just going to drop you and the kids off at Chuck E. Cheese so they can really celebrate you. And uh, I'll, I'll see you later. Yeah, pretty much. Off she goes to, to spa envy or massage envy or whatever it is. Get to manicure, pedicure. Birthday, Pete. Pretty much. Pretty much what happened there. Yeah. It's pretty rad, man. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. your your wife is not allowed to hang out with my wife anymore. Why is that? She'll learn things. I, I can't have that. Mm. Can't have your wife rubbing off on my wife. Yeah. Mm. I'll be a Chuck E. Cheese on my birthday. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're like this, but every time my this happens every year. All year I think, oh, this would be cool to do on my birthday. Then when my actual birthday rolls around, and and, and this is the sucky thing. Like you got the perfect time of year for your birthday. Mine's in the summer when it's hot. And I hate the heat. So every time my birthday rolls around, Andrew's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really want to do anything, you know, like I don't want to do anything in the heat, but then all my ideas, I can't remember a single idea. So usually we end up doing, like you said, something that the wife suggests that the kids want to do. 
So I get you. It's the way it works, man. It is. It, it is. It's just the way that it works. But uh, we did we did come up with a good idea. You had, for my birthday, said, hey, dude, let's go to that virtual reality thing with stormtroopers. And you Which, actually, like, run around a room. And I you completely don't remember. I totally all. made it up. You didn't offer that, but I wanted you to pay for me. Nice. And then, um, <laughs> no, you did. And, uh, and, and, and yesterday I'm like, Hey dude, I haven't gotten your present yet, but, uh, here's your present. I'll pay for you. You pay for me, which basically we pay for ourselves. Let's go do that. So we're going to go do that now. I like it. Yeah, it works. And then we'll have to talk about it on Smack Talk. Yeah, I guess so. I don't, I don't have anything else to share on Smack Talk. I think we're going to have to actually get into some, what? Some real church planning, but well, I don't at least even throw know a sound effect in there. What are we talking about today? We didn't even discuss that. No, we didn't, but I want to talk about overcoming the fear in church planning that holds you back. That's I our got topic. A bad feeling about this. <laughs> How's that for overcoming the fear? Should I make Doug Brown kick us off? You should. That's what we pay him for. All right, Doc. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. It's my favorite one. Yeah, that's good. You know, I uh, I quoted that in, when I was speaking to the EV Free denomination last week. And uh, I just said it. I didn't put any uh, inflection or voice into it. And uh, somebody did it, so I had to do it. So there, so there was some podcast fans. Out let there. me ask, are you uh, trying to name drop now? Hey, uh, I was a paid speaker for EV free. And if the rest of you denominations out there would like to hire me, I'm available. They, they, they were supposed to pay me. They weren't. <laughs> you spoke for free. <laughs> just, never, mind. never mind. Never mind. No, never, never mind. Uh, no, no. Yes, I was. I was Pete speaking to EV free. Uh, the denomination. Um, yes, I was. And, uh, I do work for the Southern Baptists. Yes. And, uh, I will speak to the Anglicans and the Methodists and the Calvary Chapel peoples for a fee. <laughs> I don't know why I do this podcast. Hey, I will speak for free because I believe that's what God would like me to do. Oh, that's rad. I want up nice. Mm-hmm. You did. You did. You know, I actually will pay you uh, to have me come and speak. <laughs> top that, buddy. I can't. There's yeah, no top okay. in it. Okay. All right. See. So uh, uh, it look, looks like you're going to be speaking for free and I'm going to be poor. So, uh, hey, uh, guys, today's topic is about overcoming the fear of whatever it is, you know, when you're when you're going to church plant, there are a lot of things. There's there's various stages of fear. There's the fear of committing to church plant. There's the fear of getting your calling wrong. There's the fear that you're going to lead out and nobody's going to follow. There's the fear that you're going to try to uh, gather a core team after telling all your friends and family, "Hey, I'm going to plant a church and no one's going to come." And you know, I, I don't know where where the average person uh, sits with fear and how you uh, react to fear. But for me, um, when I was young, um, if something scared me, that was the thing that I wanted to do. Kind of mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Eleanor D. Roosevelt. She had a, a saying 
which was do do something every day that scares you. And I think a lot of that came from my big brother who uh, that that was his philosophy on everything. If if he, he had little man syndrome, just like I do. And he would um, he would punk the big dude. And I think it was because he he didn't want to walk around afraid of everybody. And um, I think half of what we do is overcoming fear. And if you go to the scripture, you you find in Joshua chapter one, where God tells Joshua, fear not. Every time an angel appears, he says, fear not. Um, But, you know, you, you see this over and over. Jesus constantly says to his disciples, don't be afraid. And you get this this kind of meta message all throughout the scripture that you're not you're not to give in to fear. Fear is a paralyzer. And fear, if, if you've ever been um, seriously scared or frightened, uh, someone startles you, one of the things that we do physiologically is we seize up. We literally freeze in our, in our tracks, and we, we have the statement, you know, I was paralyzed with fear. Um, because you'll, you'll literally freeze up. There are people that they can't scream. Everything stops and shuts down. And that's, that's one of the reasons that when God comes to Joshua, he calls him. He says, look, Moses, my servant is dead. Um, and then he says, but, uh, take courage. Do not be afraid. And he repeats that refrain. I think it's like five or six times. Um, in Joshua chapter one, and that's Joshua's calling. And God keeps saying to him, only be strong, take heart, be of good courage. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Or he says, and I will be with you. And I think that we don't talk about this enough because it, it's kind of not cool to be afraid. It's not, um, you know, it implies a lack of faith and yet it's very, very human. And what we tend to do in religious circles is we, when we have something that we feel conflicts with our religious ideology, we brush it under the carpet, we hide it, we pretend it's not there, and we don't talk about it. So a lot of the things that the church needs to be talking about, we don't because we say, oh, well, you know, I'm not supposed to feel that. So well, the Bible talks about it a lot because the Bible knows that you will feel it. So the Bible doesn't say, no, no, don't feel that, don't feel that. The Bible encourages those who do feel afraid to be of good courage, and it reassures them, hey, you're feeling this, but let me remind you of the reality. The reality is that God is with you. What we do is we don't we don't operate that way. Like I said, we, we fear what fear? You know, we, we deny it to ourselves. The Bible talks about deceiving yourself. You just keep pushing it. You stuff it. You push it under the carpet. You never deal with it. And so, you know, every time I plant a church, and, you know, this is important, I think, for for people to know is that I'm afraid. You know, I'm not, I'm not feeling when I plant a church, like, confident, you know, hey, I got this. Um, and it's because I don't got this. And I know that every time. I know that every time I'm getting ready to plant a church, I'm facing imminent failure. And because of that, there's fear. There's the fear of failure. And um, so that that's kind of the topic that uh, I want to open up today. Okay. So uh, go. How well, do you like that one? Huh? 
No, I don't like that. I know you don't. <laughs> Pete, think of a time when you were afraid. I can't think of one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no, man. I, I, I'm just. I'll like be afraid this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm flying to Oregon. Going to go visit my friend in the uh, federal pen on Saturday. And then I'm flying to Idaho uh, for a conference. And I don't come back until uh, the following Tuesday. And I uh, won't have my gun with me. So I will be afraid. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's true, though. Yeah, you, you can't fly. pack in those in those. Do you do you normally like? Is that actually a thing? Do you actually feel safe when you when you're packing? Let me put it like this: I've never not felt safe, but I feel even less not. I feel even less not not safe. That made no sense. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> yeah I've I've never really I've never really been afraid. You know, anywhere. No, I go. no, I know you, Karate Man. Karate man don't feel but, but pain. When you pack in heat, you feel even less of that if it's possible. Really, really. I mean, because it's like, eh. yeah. No, I, I can, I, I can, I can get that. You know, um, but you know, in in life, man, what do you what do you find fear does to you psychologically? Well, it, it depends on what kind of fear you're talking about. I mean, you know. Uh, Realistically, <laughs> I talk about this a lot. Uh, in in business, one of my biggest fears is the phone. I hate the phone. Uh, so that's a that's a common one in business. Like if I had a cold call for business, forget it. I'm done. Like some people love it. Some people have no issue with it. They can do it. For me, all of a sudden, the phone becomes 800 pounds, and I literally cannot lift it up if I got to call someone. It's to the point where I hated getting referrals in financial planning because I wasn't going to call them. Like, right. I, I didn't want to call them. Like, I would like be panicked before I called them. And it was probably just that whole, um, insecurity. And then, you know, you're, you're calling them to sell them. And I never felt good about it. So clearly in business, that is one of the biggest fears that I've got. Yeah. Do you think that's uh, tied to like the fear of rejection or you mentioned insecurity? Absolutely. Fear of rejection. And it, and it stems from low Mm self-esteem, you know, as a kid, I mean, you know, that I had low self-esteem growing up. I was always the kid that was made fun of and, and all that stuff. So absolutely it, it it ties into that. Yeah. I'd be lying if I didn't think it. Yeah. With that. No, I, I, you know, and that, that's the thing that, you know, I, it's not, you know, particularly in American culture, like it, it's funny because in British culture, you don't talk about this stuff, right? Like you just don't, there, there's like this social norm where they, they call it letting people save face. I know we, we have that expression as well. But for them, it's a lot more um, like it's unacceptable in British culture, particularly English culture, to um, to put people in positions where they would have to show emotion. If you if you do that, it's considered cruel. So everybody walks around almost kind of like a, a cardboard cutout, like you don't show. And when people when people actually cry, it's like a big deal. You know, like in America, it's like it, it's it's the same thing. It's a big deal. 
But there it's like, <gasps> you know, like you think the person might be having a nervous breakdown, which normally by the time that facade is dropped, you're not far off from that. But in America, we kind of do the opposite, right? Like we don't just, they, they have their stiff upper lip. What we tend to do is we, we have the, um, it's almost like a compensation. It's like a bravado in America. Like if you don't want people to, to think you're afraid of stuff, you act the opposite, right? Like you, you almost, Oh yeah, I would just put that guy under my boot, you know, or whatever you, you, in America, we have the swagger that's kind of like a compensation. You know, you, you, you almost act overconfident to compensate for what's going on inside. And that, that was one of the things when, I went to Britain that was noticeably absent in their culture was the swagger. Nobody swaggers there, you know, um, which I'm not saying that's better or worse. It just was different. Um, nobody acts cool like in America. It's really, oh, yeah, you know, whatnot, you know, acting cool is a big deal here. It's not a big, but not showing emotion, you know, is is a big deal there. So. Um, so it's really interesting, both cultures and same with Japanese, Japanese culture, same kind of deal. Like you, you just, you find that we're not, we're not comfortable with showing fear because we perceive it as a weakness. And I guess what I'm driving at is that the Bible, it perceives it as a norm, you know? Hmm. Um, and, and, and case in point, like, you know, I'm a huge Batman fan years ago. Uh, I was watching a, a, a one of the cartoons from the 90s, best show ever, just saying. And they had this episode where uh, Scarecrow, you know how like normally he makes people afraid with his like toxic gas? Well, in this, he he did the opposite. He infected people with a toxic gas that made them not afraid. And what ended up happening is people started dying a lot because – Fear was like a, a natural, it was like a protection mechanism on people. Like, you know, you, you should be afraid of certain things. In, 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 um, in nature, God puts certain things on bugs. Like you got your bright red tree frog or your bright red hourglass on the black widow. You, the, there are things in nature that are kind of alerts like, Hey, stay away from me. You know, you should be afraid of me. You know, I am, I am a dangerous animal and you should come. So fear to a certain degree is, is normal. And I mean, you and I were joking around about reptilians and moon landings like we always do. I wasn't uh, joking. No. <laughs> the and, moon and, landing was faked. It was faked. Well, there was definitely, there was definitely a studio and pictures were taken. I'm not sure that that wasn't just so they could show the folks at home when it happened, but, um, I, I don't know that it was. Why in the world would there be a studio for the moon landing? That doesn't make any sense. It, well, I'm not going to get derailed in that conversation. It was fate. I I think it does. I think it does make sense. I think. All right, stay the course. Thousand points of light. The Read my list. No new taxes. The Earth is flat. <laughs> oh no! You've seen uh, the water is always level, but how is there water <laughs> on the bottom of the Earth? <laughs> Everything would be upside down. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's called gravity, and there's something called a magnetic pole. I, I'm just saying, but you know, gravity's not real. Sorry, go on. Yeah, that's it's okay. It's okay. Um, 
it, 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 I don't even know where to come back from that. <laughs> <laughs> it's called science, kid. So here's the deal. Um, we've, we've got, you know, basically like this tendency to associate anything that makes us feel bad with something that, that is bad. And I don't think the Bible's doing that. I don't think the Bible's saying fear is bad and evil. And of course you find people from the faith movement where that's what they're going to get you to think. You know, um, they will equate anything that makes you feel negative, um, with something bad. And, and I think we imbibe a lot of prosperity doctrine without knowing it, right? It, it comes from superstitious, by the way, the, the prosperity doctrine that people imbibe is very close to the superstitious beliefs of every other religion, right? Um, the mystery religion, ancient religions, primal religions, where you, if you, uh, think or say good things about the God, um, he blesses your crops on and on. If you say or think negative things about the God, he doesn't. So faith becomes this thing that, that we've applied. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus says, Hey, if you don't have faith, um, you can't do these things. But here's the reality, right? You only need faith when you have the presence of fear. Like that's what faith is for. Faith isn't the absence of fear. Just like the saying that courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to act in the midst of fear, right? Or in spite of fear. Faith is being obedient to do what God has commanded in the presence of your internal fears. It's the willingness to take that action. So, you know, I, I know this is kind of dealing with it more on a psychological level. Um, but I think, like I said, if we don't talk about it, we don't open up our brains. We don't open up our minds and our thought processes and evaluate. See, what a lot of people do is they let that fear stop them. Oh, I'm afraid. Yeah. But put your big boy pants on. Yeah, you're afraid. Anything worth doing in life, I'm just telling you, you're going to be afraid. Having a kid is one of the best things ever. Getting married, best thing ever, right? But you're going to be afraid. First time you had sex, I don't know about you, Pete. Hey, this is PG. Turn off for your kids. Don't let your kids listen. Nope. First first nope. time you have sex. Nope. If you're a normal human being, nope. there's a little bit of fear. Nope. There. No fear. <laughs> No, I was not afraid at all. What was I going to be afraid of? I was of? an expert at it from day one. I didn't need to be afraid. I was not afraid. I'm just saying that was not a fear I had. I have many fears in my life. That wasn't well, one of them. Well, it's funny. One of the one of the biggest uh, when you, when you talk psychologists, they'll say that's one of the biggest anxieties that young men have is that failure to perform the the anxiety to i'm just saying it's hardwired throughout when you get a new job when you get a new job i'm just thinking hey for a gunfighter like me that wasn't one of my fears it's okay it just might be people that are really good at it experience that and that's how they get better i have no idea what that even slight means <laughs> i should put it this way when i was uh, doing multiply training once we did this uh, little exercise where um, and Mac Lakewood this is the first time I went. I'm surprised I got the job, but they said, think of something you're really good at. <laughs> <laughs> and then tell us how you got good at it. They want us to break down in steps and they're, they're trying to teach us adult learning theory. And, and so I'm with all these pastors and I go, well, there is something I'm really good at, but I don't know if I can talk about it. 
in mixed company. And they all started laughing. But uh, anyways, um, you know, I have to I have to mark this episode as explicit now. (laughs) Just cut it out. No way out of there. No, I'm just sharing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. It's it's not explicit. The Bible talks about these things. Um, You know, the Bible is a PG book. I mean, let's be honest. If we talk socks of Song of Solomon, you know, all I know know is I want my wife's hair to be as luscious as a goat's. (laughs) What? Luscious. (laughs) Flow like a goat. I can't remember the exact terminology. Come on. My pastor avoids Song of Solomon like every other pastor in America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dustin. So uh, he friended me on Facebook finally. The nerve of that guy. So, uh, anyways, um, it's funny, man, because I bumped into your pastor and uh, at Exponential, and we we made the joke because he's a super cool dude. Yeah, I, and, I know uh, I was there. Yeah, and uh, what? But but our listeners don't, so you know, I I like to tell the story. Um, but you know, I bump into him, and uh, it was kind of like uh, Seinfeld, like Newman, you know, and uh, he's just a funny dude, man. So good dude. His real name is Justin, by the way, for our listeners. Dustin is just, you know, it's one of those things like, you know how you do when you... Tell him. Tell him why you call him Dustin. Because he took my pee. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and and so here's the deal. It's like whenever I, I see him or refer to him, it is Dustin because it's just that slight disrespect. And, uh, you know, like when, when, when you someone starts, you know, you like a girl and she's seeing some other guy, his name's Todd, and you go, oh, Tony. And she goes, no, his name's Todd. And you go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so anyways, um, so uh, back to this whole fear thing. So what do we do, guys? Um, I, I mentioned it and hinted at it at the beginning. And Pete, you know, w- what do you do to overcome your fear? Depends on what the fear is. Most of my life has been built around figuring ways to avoid putting myself in a situation that I fear. Yeah. I mean, well, that's legit too. And I think, I think that's the normal human response. And I think all of us do that. I mean, you know, there's that whole predictability. And I I think all of us do that. We, we crave order instead of chaos and we all want order. We want predictability. We want routine. So that is also a very human thing to do. And, and that goes back to fear's positive function that fear causes me to, okay, I I don't want to do these things because I don't like what I feel, you know, when, when, when I do that. And so fear is a, is a defense mechanism, as we pointed out, but sometimes it, it can be wrong. You know, your fears, there's that statistic, 95% of what we fear never happens to us. Right. But then we do have those, those moments where Job, his very words were what I feared most has now happened to me. We do have that. I've, I've had lots of things mm. that I feared most this year. Um, Hey, remodeling my house. What I feared most happened, yeah. right? 95, maybe 99% of the people that doesn't happen. That happened to me, right? So when, when you have to do something that does make you afraid, how do you deal with it? Well, like I said, it just depends on what the fear is. I okay, mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hit one. Having a kid. How'd you deal with that? Grit your teeth and bear it. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> send them back? I mean, <laughs> what do you do? It's just, it, it is kind of funny, though. Like, one of the uh, the people who had uh, 
some of the most profound influence on my life was a, a buddy of mine in college. And um, he had just spent four years in uh, the military's active duty. He was a, a SEAL. Um, but he was a SEAL when there wasn't a war going on. So he got out before the wars started. So at the time, and I have no idea what happened after college, but at the time he'd never done um, any uh, active duty. He used to say to us with a, a twinkle in his eye, uh, we haven't been at war since I've been in the military. So everything I've done has been a training mission. <laughs> and we were like, interesting. Okay. What does he mean by that? But <laughs> he, the thing is he was five, six and maybe a buck 50 soaking wet, right? Mm. A small guy, but he was a seal. And, um, and he was also one of the strongest Christians I, I've ever known. And one time we saw him get into a fight and he's going against this guy who's a lot bigger than him. <laughs> he's just manhandling the guy. We were kind of like in awe of that. Like, wow, this is cool. These Navy SEALs really do know how to fight. But um, the way that he used to walk, like he just had a different walk about him. Hmm. And almost like he just didn't care. And I remember one time he was uh, taking a class. It might have been a Bible class. I can't remember what it was, but... He had to like turn in an art project that demonstrated like a Bible verse or something like that. And so he turns one in and um, they didn't know, but it was one of those auditorium classes and he's sitting in the back of the auditorium on the ground. So they, when they were grading everyone's art, they didn't see him. So they didn't know that he was in there and he's hearing everything that they said. And they're like ripping his art to shreds. And so as soon as they were done, he stands up, walks down and grabs it. And they're like, Oh, you were here. So he's telling his dad about this experience. And these guys were totally off. First of all, it wasn't an art class. It was a Bible class. So you can't judge and give him a grade based on the art. So his dad was like, well, you know what you got to do, right? And he's like, yep. And he had to go meet with the professor and basically tell the professor, you better give me a better grade because this isn't an art class and you can't grade it based on art and all this other. But like, the he was always like even the things that he feared he would do, mm. and so one of the lines that that goes through my mind, and, and you and I have talked about this on the pat podcast before. Just like I say, I can pee next to anybody. For those of you who've listened to the podcast long enough, understand that one. Um, the second one that that'll often come through my head is what would Chad do, and right. Most of the time, what that means is, well, I know what Chad would do. Chad would just go do it. And right. he, would, he wouldn't let the fear get in the way. And so that's kind of the thought that just runs through my head. And then I'll just go do it. Whatever it was that right. I was afraid of, I'll just go do it. Well, that's it, man. When, when I, you know, when I, when I do stuff at work, like if I have a bunch of tasks, I will look at things that I don't want to do. And I, I'm aware of the tendency. I once had it, once had a coach who says, you do what you want to do. And you, you avoid what you don't want to do. Sounds profound, but he goes, I need you to analyze your work week. What do you do? And look at it. You'll notice a pattern. You stay away from things you don't like to do. And those are the things that you probably need to do, but you don't do them. And he goes, and start looking at that. Start challenging yourself. Start doing the thing you really want to do least first. Then enjoy the other stuff. And you know, there's the big rocks, you know, little rocks mentality, this and that. I mean, productivity gurus abound and this and that. But that whole idea of getting past your feelings 
Um, that's a big deal. And I think we have to not allow our feelings to dominate. I'm, I, I think I mentioned that, um, that book I was reading about your feelings and how they found that 95% of the decisions human beings make are based on feelings. That's a problem. You know, in fact, they, they showed a guy who had a head injury. Did I tell this story? Guy had a head injury and, uh, he couldn't, he, the part of his brain that got affected was the part, um, that had to do with emotion. He couldn't feel emotions after his head injury. Interesting. So when it came time to eat, he couldn't decide because so much of that is based on feelings. Really? Logic. Yeah. When it had to do with where he, wanted to go. Um, it, it was just really, really difficult to him because feelings are such a part of our process. Like when you go out and run errands, you, you work it all out, but a lot of that is based on what you feel and what you want and what makes you feel good. That's how you work your day out or, you know, so it's really, really fascinating. He lost the ability to function because so much of the decision process is, is based on feeling. So, um, as we look at what fear does to us, our response, um, they have what's called the fight or flight mechanism and fight or flight <clears throat> means one of two things. Either you run, which is what we're talking about. Most people do. And when it comes to church planning, you can either run or put off your launch. You know, I always tell guys, nail your launch down. It's in stone. You're not moving it. Once you put that date on the calendar, because the number of times I watch church planners change their launch date and, and it was based on fear. They just got afraid. But if you set that in stone and you say, no matter what, I'm not moving that, then you've taken the flight uh, option off the table. Fight or flight. Now the only thing left to do is fight. And when it comes to church planning, that's what you have to do. You have to have that mentality like, I'm going to fight. That's what God appears to Joshua and tells him. Take <laughs> take courage. Be strong. Um, don't fear. And charge ahead, buddy, because everywhere – that your foot trods, it will be yours, right? Like you'll just, anywhere you go, now there's going to be battles, there's going to be fights. Joshua was a general, and he fought tons of wars, more wars than Moses fought. But God tells him, but you're going to win. And you need you need to just take courage. I'm, I've made you this fighting leader, not not the prophetic leader like Moses was. You're You're kind of like the precursor to a judge now. And you, you can't be Moses. You've got to be you. And that's the first thing Joshua has to learn is God says, I will be with you just like I was with Moses. You see, at a certain point, everybody has to decide they're going to fight. So you have to decide, do I believe God is with me like he was with Moses? Moses was afraid. In fact, um, God actually taught Moses what real fear was when he meets with him on the mountain. And Moses says, I am exceedingly afraid stricken with terror and trembling. That's in God's presence. So God shows him like, look, you know, you, you were, you were nervous in front of Pharaoh a little bit, but you did well. You faced him. Let me show you who I am and who you're dealing with. And then Moses comes away going, Oh my gosh, you know, well, like, like, uh, John Knox said, he said, fear God and you'll never fear any man again. Right. If you walk in the fear of the Lord, that serves as a backdrop. So, so you don't fear man. And, and Proverbs says a fear of man is a snare. I mean, there's all different types of fear that the Bible addresses. Um, but when it says a fear of man is a snare, that's a fear of other people's opinions. 
And, you know, it can be all kinds of fear, man, fear of getting beat up, fear of, you know, whatever that people can do to you. And that's why uh, Jesus says, don't fear what man can do to you. Fear God, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so, you know, when we're looking at this. You, you've got to make that decision to fight. And fighting looks different. Like, uh, like let's say my launch date's come up. And guys, this can apply to any outreach. This can apply to, to any major change coming. With the fight or flight, you know, obviously the fight, uh, how a lot of guys do it is they prepare, they over prepare or, or they double down and they go, well, I can't control the outcome, but I can make sure I'm prepared for every possible, uh, you know, outcome or situation. So you find a lot of times when people really make up their mind that they're going to face their fears, they prepare. That's what fighting looks like. You've got to embrace the fear and embrace. And I think uh, I know, I know this is going to sound sexist, but, um, it's positive. In the Bible, sometimes you see where people say, um, like God, at one point, I, I'm trying to remember um, who he says this to, but he says, be a man or play the man um, in the old King James. And he tells him to man up. He says, be a man, because part of being a man is not being steered by your emotions, your feelings, right? That is a male trait. Um, we would never have men go to war. Those guys, those soldiers, they're freaking out inside, like like your buddy Chad. You know, they're 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 scared. There's not a soul. My my grandfather was combat infantry, and my brother's combat infantry, and they they all just very openly said, "Yeah, I was scared. Heck yeah, I was scared." My brother says, "I'll never forget touching down at a at an airstrip, first time as a marine, and and bullets hitting that runway, mm. and." He goes, it's the weirdest feeling when you realize someone's over there trying to kill me right now. And, you know, that was like his first year in the Marine Corps. Um, I think they're in Honduras or something. And, you know, after you you embrace that, that, look, this is just an occupational hazard. Fear, I mentioned this in Church Zero, Chiching. I say fear is a constant bedfellow for an apostle, a planner. It's definitely what happens. I look in the mirror sometimes. I lost my hair when I went into ministry. Now, obviously, that was male pattern baldness, thanks to the genetic offering of just, my mom's Just father. to be clear, though, there's no pattern to that baldness. <laughs> no, there's not. I have two bald spots, front and back. Yee-hoo, I won something. But <laughs> re- realistically, the... uh you know, but like when I look at my face, like I look at my brother is five years older than me. He's been all over the world. Um, and, but I'm, I'm the older looking dude. And, you know, whereas he would be on tour and he would go through these things and do all that. Um, I, you know, for me, I think I live a much higher stress life on a day to day. And he, he would be the first to say that. Yeah. You know, um, but I look like the older brother, you know, my, my, my face, if I, if we look like twins, so, uh, I'm five years behind him, but we, we do, if we go out, people, people used to say when I was in my twenties and thirties, they would always say, are you, are you two twins? Now you look at us and people, if, if you say, Hey, who's the older brother? They'd be like me, you know, they'll point at me. And, uh, that, that's, that's not cool. But how much older you know, is I, he? He's five years. Wow, dude. Yeah, man. And that's, I look like the older brother. Wow. That's all I got. Well, especially with your uh, going for Santa Claus beard right now, you look really old. Yeah. My wife looked at me the other day and said, uh, you look like Papa Smurf, which is ironic because my brother runs a big biker club. 
and they they actually call him his nickname is Papa Smurf when he has his beard. So uh, I, I looked at my Does wife. Does he wear a said, red beanie and red pants? You know, you know what's funny is they have they have like an annual meeting where you know it's like their edition of like Biker Week or whatever. They they do monthly rides or whatever. But he um, he actually dressed up like Papa Smurf one year. Nice, a, a blue shirt and these big red pants. And, uh, yeah, with his biker vest over it, dressed like Papa Smith. <laughs> That's <So>. awesome. <laughs> but, he, you know, it's funny because I think I mentioned that, you know, as much as he can make fun of himself, he's actually kind of a tough mother. He, uh, they had this fight club, and every once in a while they'll do a fight club, and his guys are like, dude, don't fight boss. He's small, but he's tough. My brother's super tough. Is he small, and, too? Uh, he looks way he's bigger. He's small, than dude. He's one, inch, he's one inch taller than me. See, Maybe that surprises me because he looks big online. Yeah, he does. And, uh, but he, um, I think it's kind of the way, like you said, kind of the way he carries himself too. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's always fought dudes way bigger than him. But anyways, he had a, he had a five man pile up and, uh, he won. <laughs> he was last man standing and, uh, one dude ended up with a broken leg and that's when they, they put it into it. So, um, so guys are like, dude, don't fight boss. So, wow. I'd like to think by uh, right of genetics and uh, being his brother, maybe I'm tough too, but uh, that is a very untested theory. No, it's tested and it's unfortunately been proven <laughs> not so much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're right. My it's, last book did kind of prove that in case anyone had any doubt. You've been tested a lot and yes. and come up short, come up wanting. I've received some beatdowns in my day for sure. But uh, I have said, I, I will say this, I've been beaten by some of the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. There's something to be proud of when, well, yeah, but look at who I got beat by. I mean, come exactly. on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, hey, that still doesn't stop me from saying you should see the other guy. <laughs> yeah. I've got enough scars on my face. As I he's in pristine it. condition. and <laughs> That's right. Yes, his skin is baby soft. He's doing quite well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyways well hey guys um th th there's not really much to say other than prepare and run at it and embrace it i wish i could tell you more but it does all come down to fearing god um it really does it it's it's fearing the right thing so that it puts the wrong thing that you fear in context and you can face it because if you if you know that the Lord is with you, that's what David would say on the field of battle. David would literally look left and right and say, a thousand fall to my left and right. But he says, what have I to fear for the Lord is with me? If the Lord is with me, who shall I fear? And uh, and that is the key, man. Is the Lord with you or not? Has he called you to do this? Think of Paul and all the stuff that Paul knew that, you know, he, he walks towards Jerusalem right after Agabus stands up and says, hey, the guy who's belt this belongs to, he wraps it around his wrist and says he'll be bound and taken to Jerusalem and imprisoned and eventually executed. And Paul goes, bring it on. Let's do it. I got to go to Jerusalem. And uh, that's uh, that's our heritage, man. Mm. We were a lot of tough, tough people who embraced their fears and ran at this whole thing we call ministry and church planning in spite of it. And that is what we call faith, ladies and gentlemen. Not the absence of fear, but the ability and willingness to walk towards whatever you're afraid of in the name of God and in the name of the gospel and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Cool. Well, Pete, 
with all that uh, walking in fear and taking on your giants, man. Uh, Let me tell you what I fear. I fear the IRS. Me too. I also fear math, Pete. (laughs) Just straight up math. Math scares me. How do you overcome your fear of math and the IRS? Well, you get a hold of Josh Henry over at SimplifyChurch.com. He's got an incredible staff, and he and his staff would be more than willing to walk through all of your church planning needs. He himself is an ex-church planner, but they'll handle your IRS uh, compliance. Your I was about to say compatibility. Are you compatible with the IRS? I hope not. No. Uh, they'll help you with your compliance issues. They'll help you... Uh, with all the regulations, they'll help you with payroll, they'll help you with your bookkeeping, that's primarily what they do, and anything else you need. They even provide virtual assistance. So head on over to SimplifyChurch.com. Dot com. Well, hey, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell on Church Planner Podcast reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going, embrace your fears, and do what no one else is doing. My next book is going to be called I wish I had listened to Pete. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.